looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeastern by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. I'm one crazy new Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. This is Lou Dalton of the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm pleased to be with Jonathan Steele and being on Crazy Train. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest certainly has seen his share of hockey, but not just any hockey. He's seen Flyers hockey over the years. He has been associated with the Philadelphia Flyers since 1972. He has called eight Stanley Cups. He has actually released a book a couple years ago through Triumph Books. If these walls could talk, and I'm going to guess the spectrum, it'd be about the Philadelphia Flyers. That was released, like I said, November 2017. We only have him a short time, but I'm sure he's got stories galore. Mr. Lou Nolan. How you doing, sir? I'm pretty good, Jonathan. How are you? Nice to have me. Thank you. I appreciate you saying yes. So and, it's uh, truly an honor. You got my ear wrong. I, uh, I'm an original flyer in 1967. I was a press aide for a while. And then I uh, went downstairs when the announcer left to go with the Philadelphia Blazers. I've seen a few games, a couple thousand plus. Six, seven at least. You know, <laughs> maybe eight. You yeah, to go with the Stanley Cups. So obviously, who would have thought a kid from Southwest Philly would go on to like hockey compared to most of your generation liking basketball? Especially because the reason I bring that up, and I'm currently in South Jersey. And I, but I've grown up in the area, but hockey wasn't a thing until Ed Snyder and all brought the Flyers and the organization to Philadelphia. Actually, correction, they tried to do hockey years before, didn't really work out, but really became a mainstay when the Flyers got the town. Yes, uh, I first became interested in hockey uh, in grade school, uh, Jonathan, and uh, uh, my classmate's uncle was a gold judge at the Philadelphia Ramblers who played at the arena, which was at 46th and Market Street in Philadelphia. And we used to go there on Friday nights and just be rink rats running around and take the broken sticks home and take them up and put our skates on and skate over to a nice street in back of the school that was newly resurfaced and play street hockey. So it was uh, it was pretty early on uh, that uh, that we did that stuff. and. I followed the original six. Uh, fortunately, near the beginning of my career there, uh, met to meet a few of those guys uh, that played then. I became friends with Gordy Howe and uh, met Bobby Hull a few times and guys like that that I, I really enjoyed watching. So uh, it's been good fun. It's been good fun for me for a long time. And it's great that you mentioned Gordy because I've actually had a chance to chat with uh, his son, Mark, who was also a former Flyer, and he's a Hall of Famer himself. So who's also here in Jersey, which is great. So obviously I find it unique when I was doing a little homework, there was a documentary about you. You're also a member of the Philadelphia sports writers hall of fame as well, which is a pretty big deal around here. But what do you honestly think the uh, current identity of the Philadelphia flyers is? Because obviously part of that talk has been changing of the office's opinion, the way I take it, since Ed Snyder passed away. So what do you think is uh, from that aspect of it? Well, um, it, it, it's grown out of the, the first identity that we got, which was as the Broad Street Bullies. And um, when um, when the league sort of uh, went along and ruled fighting out, which is almost out now, and uh, roughness and things of that nature, the uh, you know, you don't need to do a lot to get a penalty now. You know, you touch somebody with a stick and it's hooking, you know, 
Uh, and there are, there are a lot of reasons, but the game is not near as rough and tough as it used to be. And I think that's changed the identity of not only our team, but a lot of teams. Uh, you can't be the Bruce Lee Bullets anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially if you have the penalty kill that's uh, so-so. Uh, because you'll get a lot of penalties and a lot of power play goals will be scored on you. But I think the identity of our team has changed. Uh, we've got a lot of speed now. I don't think we had a lot of speed back when we won the Cups. But we were good. We had good players. You know, Bill Barber would have been, the, you know, a, 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 the best player in any team except for Bob Clark. I mean, Bill played in every situation. And uh, as Bob did, you know, killed penalties, scored goals, scored a lot of points. You know, and then, then it went on to the scoring time when uh, when the Legion of Doom, you know, with, uh, with Eric and uh, Eric Lindros and LeClaire and Michael Redberg and a few other players in there, you know, like Mark Recchi and so forth. Uh, changed a little bit there, and it's changed yet again. I think the team is still searching for a real identity at this point. Well, on the other end of that, what about the – and I've heard Chris Terrian talk about this recently through social media and such. Yeah. But what about the front office? According to Chris and a few others I heard, and I take it for what it is, uh, maybe not respecting the history where, like, when – Ed Snyder was around. It was always and you know, a flyer for life and stuff. There, there was a different perspective on the history of the organization. Well, uh, you know, uh, you, you may be trying to paint me into a corner. Chris no longer worries about that because, uh, you know, he's freelancing and out there now. But I would say to you that, that any organization, any organization that has a change at the top uh, cha- that makes a change below and below and below. Uh, I think that everybody um, respected Ed. Ed was great. Uh, I think the guys that are in there now, the people that are now doing a nice job. I think that it's, it's changed. It, the, the league has changed so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got hard salary caps. You got free agency. You got serious uh, uh, injuries to players. I mean, we just had Couturier, I'm reading, out for the year now. Before that, it was just, you know, it was like week to week. But uh, I understand, and Sam Carcini reported it, and Sam is like the best, period. Uh, if he gets the information, it's usually pretty right. So Coots is out now, and uh, it, it, it begs for the problem that, uh, you know, the general manager had mentioned uh, that, you know, there are injuries. Everybody's got injuries, but you think about, you know, our number one defenseman that we signed, he was going to replace the best guy we had at defense, Niskanen, who made Provorov better. You know, he's only played four games. He's, you know, uh, so it, it's, a, it's a difficult situation. Um, I think that uh, any group that uh, has changes uh, at the top and ownership and so forth all along has difficult time and a time to uh, 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 grab, grab it by, their, by themselves and make it their own. And I think that's what this group is finding out. And I can totally respect that and see what you're saying with changes at the top. But while we're still on the current team, and I don't want to spend the whole time doing it, two things that stick out for me is, first, you mentioned about the general manager. And earlier this week, the news came out that Danny Breer is back in the fold, working with the front office and the GM. So do you think Danny's the right mind from a hockey perspective to be able to try to help fix whatever's going on? 
I think he'll contribute in his own way uh, to uh, uh, to what the general manager needs to know. Uh, abilities of players, uh, his opinion on certain things. Uh, don't get me wrong, Dan- Danny. Danny's a wonderful guy, first of all. A great yes. player. Money player. The money player. McLeish was a money player. Scored big goals. Danny, as in Simeon Gagne, money players. They score big goals for you at big times. And Danny's a smart guy. I mean, he didn't just come out of the woodwork. He went. He learned the game. Uh, went back to school at Penn, at the Wharton School, uh, for some business business degree. Uh, and he did a lot of things that, that are going to help him. It's been five years now that he's been with, uh, with uh, the different hockey teams in this organization, learning the ropes. So it's not a guy that just uh, walked down the stairs and, and Fletcher said, hey, would you like to be a special assistant? There's a reason for it and a good reason for it. Don't let me allow you to think that it, it says that the people that are in there now are not good at their jobs. That's not the case at all. But a fresh voice in all this means a whole lot. So I would say that. Is he being and, to replace him? Who knows? Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's just fresh news, fresh eyes, everything. But Thank what you. I was going to say there was, and I'm sorry for almost cutting you off there, but as far as the few times I have met Danny, you know, in informal situations, guy's a gentleman. Yes. Uh well, the other thing with the current team that I'm curious to know, because obviously people were talking about, I do watch pre and post game as well, too, and listen to sports radio and all that fun jazz. And the one guy they always talk about potentially trading, but he has a no trade clause. As a fan, I want to see him stay and finish his career here. But do you think they might look at moving Claude Giroux? Well, I think they'll look at moving anybody if they think they can improve their team. Uh, he said that. Uh, Fletcher said that. However, I, I, I point to a trade years ago that Kimo Timonen was sent to the Chicago Blackhawks and won the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, Kimo, again, you know, another one of those guys. He's just terrific to be around. Great hockey mind, sharp, approachable, terrific. Uh, they did him a favor. And, you know, he was getting to the point where, you know, where was he going? He wasn't going to win one here. So they sent him somewhere where he could win one. Now, he had a different kind of contract. Uh, you know, Giroux's contract, which I think is when you're talking about Claude Giroux, uh, you know, he can he can dictate any trade. Um, he can say, for instance, years ago, he might have wanted to be traded to Montreal, uh, but now he might not be wanted to tra- be traded to Montreal. I mean, they're way down there now, all the way at the bottom, and they're having upheaval in their front office. So, you know, that that he would definitely nix. But he may want to go to, uh, you know, out there to uh, Colorado uh, and uh, play there. I mean, that might help. Uh, Who knows? Maybe he plays there, finishes the season. You know, you think of the scenario. Trade him there. Get somebody for him. A couple draft picks. Uh, He wins the Stanley Cup. That's all well and good. And then he's a free agent. Comes back to Philly, where his home is, with his family. Uh, You know, so... There's all kinds of ways you can think about this, Jonathan, but I would think that he would want to be traded somewhere where he had a shot. Exactly. And he's one of those guys that you want, like you said, a chemo team and in and just guys like that, that deserve a championship. Yep. You're right. We hope it's here, but totally understand the point. Not this year, I'm afraid. Yeah, it is what it is, unfortunately. But I'm curious to know, 
like I said, you've seen so much hockey over the years. And obviously when it comes to the Flyers and you mentioned Broad Street Bullies and all that fun stuff, one of the things that really stands out is the Flyers and the Soviet Union. So what kind of memories do you have even all these years later from that rivalry when they were touring the States to Soviet Union? Well, 1976, uh, Soviets sent two teams over here. One was called Wings of the Soviet. Uh, the other one was the, the Red Army team. I did games for both of those teams. I was called to do a game up in New York for the uh, Wings of the Soviet. They had Yakushev. He was their best player. He scored the game winner when uh, uh, a goalie broke his stick in half by mistake, and he took the puck off him and put it in. One to nothing. And, and in here, uh, you know, they had the, the team was assembled from, uh, you know, the greatest stars, the Red Army team, all quote unquote in the military. All they did was play hockey. If you've seen the documentary about uh, Russian hockey and how they do it, they start out with 5,000, whittle it down to 1,000, whittle it down to 250, whittle it down to 100. You know, it was where you get your real teams and then whittle it down to 50 and then to 2025, which they put on these various teams. So they find their best players that way. Uh, we do a little differently here. Uh, we draft players and do things like that. But I just remember it. I mean, Ed Van Ip lowered the boom on Valley Karmeloff, and uh, that started it. Then they walked off the ice. And back in those days, Jonathan, I worked without glass. So in front of me, there was nothing between me and the players and myself and the referees and so forth. So I was right in the middle of all of that and, um, and interpreters and people of that nature. Uh, talking to Russians. So it was, uh, it was remarkable. Uh, Ed Snyder, uh, when they all walked off the ice, came around from where he sat, barged into their dressing room, past the guards. The guards would never stop Ed. They were his own guards. <laughs> into the room. And, that, and that, you went into that room. It, it, it was stuff on your nose. It smelled. It was terrible. The equipment they had. And told them that, uh, you don't play this game, you're not getting any money. Now, Alan Eagleson, who ran the Players Association, had put the contract together for it, and they were going to be paid at the end of their eight games, and we were the last game. And uh, so, you know, Ed said, and I don't know Ed could have been able to do that or not, but Ed had stones, boy, it was something. <laughs> and he, uh, he basically told them, you don't play here, you're not getting any money. And he turned and left, and they said, they'll be out, you know, give us 10 minutes, we'll be out, we've got to sharpen skates, we've got to do this, do that. So they came back out, and shortly after they came back out, uh, we scored a goal on them. I think Joe Watson scored. And Freddie Shiro said that when, when he scored that goal, it set their program back two decades uh, because Joe didn't score many goals, but that was a big one. And um, we wanted to win 4-1. to one. So uh, uh, we, we, we held it up for the NHL over the Russian program. And, um, you know, there's a documentary out there that talks about that, how they built their players. And I would recommend that anybody who watches this, that hears this program, should find that somewhere and um, uh, watch that. And a lot of interviews, a lot of good stuff in there. And I'm going to refer to a friend of the show, Liam McGuire, who's done stuff with the Flyers alumni and such. I know. Who, yeah. yeah, so Liam would definitely point me to the, all those documentaries and such. So I'm looking forward to actually watch, sitting down and watching them over the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. Yeah, the alumni run, uh, run a, a, a lot of programs to raise funds. And one of them is uh, 
uh, brings in some of the fighters from different teams to sit on the stage uh, at the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia. And I think we call it Fight Night. I don't remember exactly what it's called. And it's coming up again in April. And, um, you know, you get a guy like Marty McSorley there and, you know, Dave Brown and they're, they're friends now. And there's banner back and forth and Schultz and all <laughs> this stuff like that. And Liam always moderates. I moderate, but he really takes takes it and moderates and, and does, a, does a whole act. You know, he's he's quite a guy. So, oh, he's yeah. good. Good man. Good man. Oh, work with him again. Very smart guy, too, which is scary how knowledgeable he is about the game. So, yeah. but I mentioned in the introduction this spectrum, and that's a place that, and don't get me wrong, I liked the vet growing up, but it was the spectrum that always held near and dear for me, especially the with hockey. When I bring up the spectrum, what kind of is there mixed emotions? And obviously, things change and evolve and stuff, but well, uh, I, I was just a, a young kid and went to work there, and um, I found it. If I think back on it now, I say it was very easy to get around. Uh, it, it was easy for me to be able to get from the from the press box to the press room. Uh, now you, it doesn't happen anymore. It's like you know five levels up. It's crazy. Um, it was uh, it had it had an angle on it like like this to watch a hockey game instead of like this because you have to put all the extra seats in for revenue and so forth. And uh, it's just not practical anymore for those kind of rinks. They have one up in Hartford. Uh, Hershey Hershey had a rink that was great because you never had to stand up. You know, the, the guy's head in front of you was was down where you could see everything. Spectrum was like that. The Spectrum was a great place. Went from 14,000 and some to 17,077, 17,747. They kept finding places for seats. But when that place would get rocking, let me tell you, it would get rocking. You, my, my headset would chirp uh and um you know down in the box uh, I, I it was it was just amazing um the first game in the new building which was uh core state center um was uh w- world of hockey i believe it was and uh, uh canada against the u.s and we rocked that night down there full boat 20 grand full of people and uh it really 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 was loud but I still think that uh, it won't approach the electricity of the spectrum until this team wins in 2010. Almost, almost, you know, uh, if we had made one save there and, and some different things that happened, we could have won a Stanley Cup then that Chicago beat us. And uh, the goal that nobody ever saw that I knew was really a goal when I saw Pat Kane throw up his stick and his gloves in the air and skate up the ice. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll not do that. And um, but the back to the spectrum, it uh, was great. It was great for concerts. It was great for hockey, uh, rock for basketball. And uh, it really is America's showplace. And by the way, do you know Lou Scheinfeld? What's that? Lou Scheinfeld. Do you know that name? Not off the top of my head. Okay, Lou was Ed's right hand man for a long time. And he had a lot to do with the spectrum. And he's just written a new book. Uh, and um, uh, you can probably find that on Amazon. And um, that uh, basically talks about a lot of stuff, the spectrum, you know, like besides hockey, talks about Elvis uh, coming in. It talks about all kinds of different stuff. It's a lot of fun to listen to, to read. So try to find that one if you can. I'm definitely going to do that. And I got two more hockey related questions for you, sir. First being, and I am 
a traditionalist when it comes to Flyers hockey. And obviously there was some concern about it, but do you think, and maybe they have, and I just didn't pick up on it. Do you think the Kate Smith will be incorporated into God bless America? And not that Lauren Hart doesn't do a good, great job. She's one of the best, but you know how they would sometimes do dual. Oh, sure. They're for years. I know how to do that. If you're asking me what I think about all that stuff with Kate Smith, uh, it, it's a difficult question to ask me and a difficult question to answer. Uh, I felt poorly because I met her a couple times, introduced her every time she was there. Um, and it, people see things in different uh, different ways after years and years and decades and decades. Uh, and sometimes you get, uh, an organization can be forced into doing something that it really doesn't want to do. Uh, I thought covering it up with tarps was uh, was pretty poor, to be honest with you. And uh, I also think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, suddenly it disappears somewhere uh, was tough, was tough on me uh, because uh, I thought she had a lot to add. I mean, I don't know anything about her early years and songs she sang. I mean, she raised thousands and thousands of dollars for the war effort. And, you know, suddenly uh, some song she said, sang uh, uh, is seen as as something that's bad for 2020 you know what i mean yeah. i don't understand it but uh, then again i don't make those decisions yeah. so uh, um what i what i i, I have not heard any god bless america at the yeah. spectrum for at the, at the center for a while so yeah I, it's that's you know that was the, the the stanley cup guys that was their their thing yeah they get their own thing here and lauren does a great job every single night she's out there she is anytime you hear her, just perfect. Yeah. You know, you can't go wrong there. But the other hockey related thing I want to bring up, and thank you again for the time, is I would take an honor for anybody. And I'm not talking hockey, but you, it's hockey, but in any sport or entertainment, to be a part of the Salt Lake Olympics. How, how did that come about? Uh, I guess, yeah, I was very honored to do that. Um, I got a call from the the, the, uh, the organi- organizing committee of the Salt Lake Olympics, and the first thing I did when they introduced themselves was said, "Who is this? You know, who, who is this pranking me here?" When they convinced me it was really them, and they told me that they wanted me to submit a, a submit some uh, some tapes and things like that, I was honored. I put it together the stuff that I'd done with the World Cup of Hockey and some some foreign names and so forth. Submitted it, and then. Uh, then I got a call from the league and said, uh, we want you to do the games. So I went out there and they spent, uh, I don't know, 20 days, four weeks maybe, uh, right after uh, 9-11. It was, uh, it, security there was was ultra. Uh, you know, on the way out of the airplane, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm sitting with a, with a lady uh, and um, uh, the flight attendant comes back and hands her a piece of paper that has a bunch of seat locations on it in the, within the airplane. So we're talking, you know, we had already said that, yeah, we're going out for the Olympics. She was security and I was a broadcaster. And I said, what is that? She said, uh, that's all the seat locations of, uh, of people besides me. They're carrying firearms on this airplane. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Well, you know, it was people, you know, check your gun. If you're a federal agent, you can take it. And uh, and marshals and so forth and everybody, but 
the whole plane was Delta Air. It was their official airline. It was all full of athletes, except for security people. So uh, that that is the story that I remember. I remember uh, Canada. I did a Canada game, and uh, Lindros got himself a penalty. Comes in, he sits in the box after he's busy trying to convince himself he didn't really commit the penalty. He turns around. He says, "What are you doing here, Lou?" And I say, "Eric, I'm doing the same thing you're doing here. You know, I'm representing." You know the NHL here, and, and you're the same way. So it was a funny, funny moment. Uh, I liked Eric. I liked him a lot, and um, just didn't work out for him here. But he was a great, great guy, and uh, always did well by me. But uh, it was an honor to do the games. Uh, I, um, I always look back on that. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, and um, you know, had a driver, had all that kind of stuff, and uh, it was pretty cool. You know, it was pretty cool. Well, you mentioned Eric Lindros there, and I was fortunate enough to, when they had the, this year's alumni game, I got to meet him briefly, run into him. I happened to be at a certain spot, and he came across the hallway, and we crossed paths. You know, it's called, hey, Eric, nice to meet you, because I am a hockey fan. And would you say he's a, I took it as he was a very quiet guy. Would you say that, you know, he was respectful. Hey, how you doing? We chatted for a minute, but it wasn't like, if you put yourself in his place there, everybody wants a piece of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to want to say hello, shake his hand, do this, do that, and the other thing. Um, he, didn't, he didn't exactly, you know, you have times when you let your guard down and times when you don't. And, um, you know, I think that uh, you, you can't always be yourself and, and, uh, and do things the way you'd like to in a setting like that. But uh, he just stopped. He talked to you, right? Yeah, yeah. He was. He was. It was. There wasn't really fans around, but he was quiet. Very. He he was very seen. Very humble. Very. He was a total yeah. gentleman. Good guy. Good guy. He know. He knew he was a good player. Yeah. One time, a quick story here again. Uh, my son and uh, his partner, a young lady, when they were in, I don't know what grade it would have been. Grade grade school. They had to do some sort of a story, like a newspaper article. And he came to me and he said, I want to do it on Eric Lindros. I said, okay. He said, could you introduce me to him? I said, sure. So I arranged for the, for the two of them to meet Eric over at uh, the skate zone. You know what I mean? So it, 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 there's an instance where a guy didn't have to do that. But, you know, he said, sure, the kids for the kids. Absolutely. So, you know, he was with it for 15 minutes. They had questions prepared and so forth. He answered the questions. They recorded them. And they went back and wrote an article and they got an A on their paper. So, you know. Nice. It's a good thing. And final question for you. And this one might paint you into a corner, but oh, really, you haven't done that yet, huh? No, but <laughs> from okay, the Flyers, okay. st- Flyers standpoint, and there's been a lot of guys throughout the history Barber and Clark and Lindros and Perrant. And well, it's a two parter. Who was your favorite Flyer, but who was also the best Flyer, would you say, from the organization? Uh, second part of the question is the best Flyer. Uh, Bob Clark, uh, who was my favorite flyer. Simone Nolet was a, was a great friend, uh, you know, from the early years. I mean, I know these guys. I, I traveled, you know, with, with the guys that won the Cup. Uh, and, I mean, you meet a lot of friends. I was the same age as those guys. Now, they're all kids, you know. And because of COVID, for two and a half years, I haven't even been connected with the players, you know. I'm upstairs now. Uh, I'm not in the penalty box anymore, so I don't see the guys. Um, uh, 
just some, some guys are just terrific people. Uh, most players, you know, and, and I, the exception of one guy, uh, I kind of liked everybody. Uh, Bernie's great. Bernie's oh. fabulous. Oh, I got Bernie stories out the wazoo, but we don't yeah, have time the, for that. The, the guy I didn't like was Brisgala. I did not like Brisgala. He he threw me under the bus on the air a couple times, and don't have time for him anymore. He's crazy. Yeah, there, there's Still a cash and checks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of those. It's yeah. we'll, we'll leave that be. But when this whole COVID thing ends, I hope to maybe see you at Rexy's. They'll nod to the Broad Street Boys there, which is around the block for me. Lou Nolan, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be with you, Jonathan, and be on that crazy train. Thanks a lot, man. Out there, thank you. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. This brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. This is Vince Papale from the movie Invincible, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. It's where you really want to get the real story, the Invincible story.